Thank you for this opportunity to be with you this morning. Thanks for the beautiful music. That piece just there was, um, it brought great focus, I think, for us as, um, as the people of God to remember why we do what we do. This season of year at Christmas time, to, to draw our focus on the one who has come, whose kingdom has come, who is, it is already but not yet. But let me just say thank you for letting me be here today. Thank you, Pastor Jamie, for welcoming me into your home last night and being able to be with all of you this morning. I'm a little bit overwhelmed, I think, just by um, the, the things in the white basket, that the giving that you're giving and the, even the invitation to come here, it moves me, as, you'll, as hopefully you'll hear a little bit later just in my story of being with the IMB and um, just thank you for this opportunity to be with you this morning. And I pray that God would speak um, in and through me that Christ would be exalted and be, be great. When we left for Africa, um, we had my, my wife, we had a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and that four-year-old is now 18. So that tells you a little bit about how long we were on the field. Uh, we returned last March uh, from Africa, March of 2020. There was a little bit of stuff going on in March of 2020 last year. Um, so we arrived, we were literally on the last commercial flight um, in Kenya before the whole country just shut down. In fact, we had to move up our date and it's this crazy story of this mad rush to the airport and are we going to actually get put on the flight? They had overbooked the flight and people were literally pushing to get on the plane. It was, it was crazy. And then we landed in Richmond, Virginia, a place that we had never lived before and everything was closed. I was telling Jamie last night that uh, we literally brought toilet paper from Africa to America. My wife and I were like, who would have thought that we would just like be packing toilet paper to come from our home in Kenya? But that's what it, that was the word on the street. There was no toilet paper and there was little toilet paper in the stores when we got there. But so again, so now I have three kids, 18 year old, 15 year old and a 12 year old adjusting to life in America. So they've lived most of their lives overseas um, that's really all they knew for a long time, but God has been kind and gracious in helping us adjust. Uh, we are living in Richmond now, and my primary role now is to help mobilize churches, particularly young people, young adults, students, high school students, college students, um, anywhere from two weeks to two years, mobilizing them, helping them uh, join. We're doing a lot of training and investment in them and helping them get um, overseas. I do sp still spend some time overseas as well, working with the, with the IMB, International Mission Board. But, um, but again, it's, it's an honor to be with you here today. If you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at three verses in particular. Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. I'll be looking at several passages throughout the first and second chapters of Philippians to help us understand some context but our focus is Philippians chapter 1, 27 through 30. Listen to the reading of God's holy inspired and inerrant word. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened in anything by your opponents, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, 
but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that we have heard this morning so far. God, every piece of this is an offering to you of worship. Everything from the welcome and the announcements, God, to the proclamation of your word that I get to uh, steward even now. God, I pray that everything that we do this morning would be truly an offering of sacrifice, uh, of worship to you. That it would not be about us, but it would be about you. God, in these brief moments that I have to share uh, your message, I pray that you would shine brightly, not me. Speak clearly to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I read those verses to you, but we will spend most of our time in verse 27. After 12 years in Africa, there are some powerful memories in which the counts seem as real today as they did when they actually happened. Laura, my wife, and I had spent nearly a year investing in a group of university students. That was our primary focus when we left for the country of Botswana. So we were in the capital city there in the country where we started our missionary career. Now just real pause real quick. If you don't know where the country of Botswana is, most people know where South Africa is. It's the country just north of there, sandwiched between Namibia and Zimbabwe, and that's where we started our career. We had spent nearly a year investing in these university students there in the capital city. Most of these students were brand new believers. As we open up the scriptures together, they saw clearly that they are not just the mission, but called by God to share in His divine mission. So in our discipleship and training with them, we would, they would engage in evangelism and disciple making on their own university campus. So they are brand new believers learning these things. But they, began started, they started to ask the questions, how can they go to the unreached peoples of Africa? Well, about five hours by car, five hours away from the capital city by car, from where we were living, was a people group known as the Bakalahari people. There was little to no evangelical work among them at the time, but one of our missionaries and a local pastor named Jack were beginning pioneer work among this small, unreached people group. Well, Jack called me one day and asked if I could bring some students from the university that we were investing in to, to come and work with them. And without hesitation, after asking these students if they wanted to go, they said, yes, how soon could they get there? So this group of students raised funds and made the, we made the journey with them to the village of Kong, Botswana, where we would sleep in, in, all in one room on a floor and embrace the village lifestyle and all its glory for the next five days. Our prayer by the end of the week was to see a group of believers gather for the first time. Well, on, on day one, I was really unsure of things since I'd never been to this village. I, I, I'd learned the local language, but this was a different dialect, and I struggled with that dialect. I was hesitant about potentially different cultural aspects in this village, not sure how these university students would handle the situation. But day one, we headed out the door, trusting God with fruit from the seeds we hoped to sow. And as I walked through the sandy footpaths, side by side, with a guy I'd been investing in named Andrew, 
I smiled and thanked God for the work in Andrew's life that brought him to this point. After noticing the four-inch thorn bushes around us, I couldn't help but pray for seed to fall on soil ripe for the gospel, not a thorny path. When we arrived at the first house, I was ready to boldly announce my arrival and, and ask for an opportunity to share good news with them. However, Andrew stopped a distance away just at the gate entrance and said, Coco, Coco, which was the proper way of coming into a place, which I didn't know that at the time. Well, an older man walked outside and Andrew began to speak to the man in the local dialect. The man led us into the yard and brought out an assortment of seating for us, a partially functioning red plastic chair, a wooden stool covered in cow skin, and a plastic barrel. Well, after 15 to 20 minutes of conversation about the weather and family, the man gave me permission to share the message that brought me to him that afternoon. I shared the story of creation of Christ and Andrew translated to this man. When we finished, the man stood up and told us that we must come with him. That was his response to the message. So he grabbed my hand and we walked nearly a half mile to another home filled with people all around Andrew's age. The man held my hand the entire walk on the path and spoke with Andrew. I'm still not sure everything that he said to Andrew that day. When we arrived at the house, the young people in that yard, they were taking drinks from a common cup of homemade beer stored in a garbage can. Well, the old man entered, receiving immediate respect, as is the custom in African culture, and demand that these people that were there drunk, getting drunk in the afternoon, he demanded that they listen to the message we had for them before the old man left us. Well, Andrew decided that it was his turn to share and began to share the same message almost verbatim that I had just shared with the old man. While Andrew was speaking, a drunk man came and began to scream in his face. I began to pray. The screamer shouted in English at Andrew, doing whatever he could to mock Christianity and the way Christians are fake. Well, Andrew didn't miss a beat and continued to boldly proclaim Christ. And what a joy it was to see the gospel coming so freely from this new believer, this fairly new follower of Christ. But it was the young boy in the corner who we thought was asleep that grabbed us when it was time for us to leave and wanted to learn more. God was clearly speaking that day to this person over the shouts of inebriated persecution. And by the end of the week, the, the sleeping boy, the old man, and many others in that village came to the very first gathering of people that later became Kong Baptist Church. That encounter and many others that transpired that particular week is one living example that comes to mind when I read Philippians 1.27. Andrew and I, we share nothing in common. Different ages, different background, different upbringing, different culture, different language, even different spiritual maturity level. However, however, on that day, we engaged in the furtherance of the gospel with one mind striving side by side to display the beauty of Christ and His offer of salvation to all who believe. Philippians 1.27 this passage of laboring side by side for the faith of the gospel is a central passage to the theme of gospel partnership scattered throughout the letter. 
to the church in Philippi. So this morning, I want us to see three truths in their application when understanding gospel partnership in the context of Philippians. But first, we need to even understand what this term actually means. What is gospel par- partnership? Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 5. Philippians chapter 1, verse 5. After he's thanked them in every remembrance, always in every prayer of mine, for you making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So that's the first time that we see this language used, this gospel partnership. Anyone familiar with this epistle knows of Paul's loving gratitude towards the church in Philippi. Verse 5 states that he thanks them for their partnership in the gospel. Now the term for partnership in Greek is koinonia. This is one of those Greek terms that even those that have never never studied Greek will recognize and may even know that it's translated as fellowship. It's actually a very robust term, more than just fellowship, but that's the essence of it. I'm not going to go into the etymology or even a word study, but I, I, I will say that for our understanding of fellowship in our cultural context, it doesn't quite capture the weight of the term. In Grant Osborne's commentary on Philippians, he notes that it goes beyond a deep-rooted, intimate, relational bond, but encompasses a sharing in an enterprise. That's what the word means. Other commentators, and by commentators, I don't mean plain old potatoes. I'll let that one sit just a second. Um, That was for you. And yes, it's in my notes. They're also quick to to bring out the aspect of financial cooperation through generous giving to one another embedded in this term. So you can think of like the church in Acts chapter 2 verses 44 and 45 that shared possessions and belongings with one another. We also see the aspect of koinonia actually at the end of Philippians chapter 4 verse 15 that only the church in Philippi entered into partnership, it's that same word koinonia, with them how? In giving and receiving. So here it is. Gospel partnership means that we're all in. Our hearts, our minds, our soul, we're all in. Even our possessions. But we're all in and undivided for the sake of advancing the gospel. And Philippians 1.27 best embodies this notion. So gospel partnership is being all in and all that we are, including financial piece of this, for the sake of advancing the gospel. But what are the ingredients of gospel partnership? The first thing we see is unity. The unity of gospel partnership. Now before we can continue, we must remember that we cannot talk about gospel partnership without understanding the beauty of the gospel. Think about Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. It's this beautiful passage. This is the very thing that unifies their mind. In, that pas- in those verses, we're reminded that Christ came to, your- to earth as a man, paid the penalty that we deserve for our sin, the ultimate penalty for sin, even death on the cross, verse 8 of chapter 2, so that all who believe in Him could be made righteous, which is expounded upon in chapter 3, verse 9. Only on account of Christ and have the privilege of worshiping in His eternal presence. Unity around the gospel is only possible through the gospel. Paul's prayer is that this is what's central to their lives. And Paul states that whether he sees them or just receives a report about them, he wants to see or hear that they are advancing the gospel with one mind and one spirit striving side by side. And we're going to touch on that side by side imagery in just a moment. But I want us to consider the profound unity of one spirit and one mind. 
It doesn't take us long to consider like examples of this in action. Think about a construction crew that's building a high-rise building and the catastrophic consequences of disunity in the construct. Or, or a basketball team that's playing so seamlessly, it's like they're thinking each other's thoughts. Or what happens to the team if one member decides to go his or her own way. Or the common understanding of a team of surgeons with one mind operating on a heart transplant and the deadly consequences of disunity in that surgery. However, how often do we pause to consider how believers can carry out the commands of God with one spirit, one mind, and the attack on the spread of the gospel if the church is disunited? Think about it. The, the, the moment that we become disunited, it's, a, it's the very attack on the spread of the gospel. Like Andrew and me, the gospel, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the gospel unifies even the most unlikely of teams. We share in the unity of Christ in us. Even more, the outcome of our faith demands that we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. <clears throat> Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. It's a mirror passage of the essence of gospel partnership. <clears throat> a mirror passage of the essence of gospel partnership in Philippians. When it talks about one, one mind, one faith, one baptism, one Lord, one God, one Father of all. It's this unity. <clears throat> In other words, the unity of our actions directly corresponds to the unity of our heart. Or to put it a different way, true gospel partnership is impossible without true gospel transformation. Paul is praying for a church in the midst of intense persecution and Many at that time were wondering how to respond to government mandates <clears throat> or new cultural restrictions related to religion. Government mandates, does that sound familiar to any of us? And his prayer to them during the midst of this is that they would have one mind. I believe one of the greatest tragedies of the pandemic, <clears throat> beyond just the lives that have been lost, is how divided everyone can be over masks or vaccines or gatherings or whatever. This threatens the one mind calling of the church, thus hindering the work of the gospel in many places. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got something in my throat. we must remain resolutely focused on the mission of God. Brothers and sisters, when we take our focus off the things that unite us, we drown ourselves in the things that divide us. We cannot push to the fringes what is central for God. This sentiment is clearly from our text. The advance of God's mission hinges on the unity of the bride of Christ, the church striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. In 2020, the pandemic did not stop the spread of the gospel. Through your IMB missionaries, more than 769,000 people around 
last year heard a presentation of the gospel. Now think about this. Christmas time is a critical year, or is a critical time to share the gospel. The whole world is aware of the Christmas season, even if it's not formally recognized. People all over the world are at least aware of it, that it's happening. Big holiday in the West, as some will see it. But the point is that this is a time in year when everyone is aware of one of the most recognized holidays. So our missionary sees this moment by sharing with others who may not be familiar with the meaning of Christmas as a bridge to sharing the gospel. So when you think about the unity of people around the world who are thinking about one thing, pray for your missionaries this Christmas season as they use this as a bridge to share the gospel. So we talked about the unity of gospel partnership. I now want us to consider the work of gospel partnership. Paul's plea for the church in laboring for the faith of the gospel requires <clears throat> shared mission, shared resources, and shared struggles. The phrase side by side literally means to struggle along with or to contend along with. The phrase conjures images of athletes working together against their opponents. Military images also accompany this phrase as the Roman army would fight in a square behind, beside, and in front of one another and fight as one impenetrable unit. So the, the essence of this verse is, is to encourage the church to fight for the sake of advancing the mission of God. Verses 28 through 30 expound even further on this, but we're not going to focus our intention there. Throughout Philippians, Paul uses this imagery over and over. Think about chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, Partners in the gospel. Chapter 1, verse 7, partakers with me of grace. 2.25, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. Chapter 4, verse 3, labored side by side with me. <clears throat> As I look back over a decade ago at encounters with Andrew and many others like it, I'm certain that was the most important work I will ever do that we ever did together sharing Christ and making disciples towards healthy church so that God is worshipped as he deserves. Today I'm back in America doing something a little bit different. But with a passion for its great purpose to advance the mission of God, it doesn't change. And so for you, for, for a church, <clears throat> there may be a number of ways you could apply this text and how you labor side by side. It can begin just you walking outside of these doors and sharing the gospel with people who still have not heard. Or those that have heard but have rejected the gospel. I was hearing last night of just the, the vast number of international pe people from the international community that are living here. The nations are in your back door, even in Dillon, South Carolina. But sharing the gospel with your neighbors, with your family, with your friends, it starts there. But I want to think even more than that. I want For, for my purposes, even today, from the IMB, from thinking about God's work, God's missionary work around the world... I want you to consider your role in the global church and how you might labor side by side with those around the world seeking to advance the gospel. In Durban, South Africa, Zawadi lives in daily grief as her entire family has cut her off today and threatens to kill her on a regular basis. Why? Because last year she decided to follow Christ and was baptized <clears throat> publicly. IMB missionaries David and Julie labor side by side faithfully with Zawadi in Durban to share Christ with their Muslim neighbors. But Satan is not happy about the beautiful work of the gospel that's taking place and is on a mission to destroy that work. 
Zawadi teaches a sewing class in Durban, both to help refugees get jobs as well as an opportunity to share Christ. How can you labor side by side with those around the world? Let's just pray for Zawadi today. Let's pray, let's labor side by side with her through prayer that God would sustain her as her family is on a mission to see her life ended. But she is on a mission to see others' lives begin in Christ. Lastly, I now want us to look at the final truth in this passage as a particular application for our work. Now, you may have noticed that I haven't talked yet about the first part of the passage. Go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Chapter 1, verse 27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. And I've been talking a lot about side-by-side and these kind of things, but, and striving with one mind, but manner of life worthy of the gospel <clears throat> brings us to our last point, the purpose of gospel partnership. The original language of let your manner of life be worthy literally means to behave as citizens worthy of the gospel. Or sorry, actually the literal meaning means living as citizens worthy of your citizenship. In other words, Paul is encouraging them to remember the citizenship that they have that comes with gospel transformation. He elaborates on this a little bit more in Philippians 3, 7. When he states that things that the world considers valuable are nothing compared to knowing Christ. So when we consider our role as Christ followers, as citizens of his heavenly kingdom, we need a vision for God's glory in the gospel. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. We see in this verse that Satan blinds people from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Chapter 4, verse 6, we see that Christ shines in the heart of his people to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So using the language from the ESV, is your life worthy, listen to this, is your life worthy of being one marked by the gospel? In other words, when the world looks at the church, when the, remember the church is not this building, the church is the people of God, and when the world looks at the church, when they look at your life, do they see Christ? Do they see people immersed in the kingdom of the world or as citizens of a much greater kingdom? More specifically, do we value a temporal citizenship here on earth that may seem a dream but fades as quickly as the Roman Empire or an eternal identity? that is imperishable and kept by the Almighty God. My final charge to us is this. Our Christian activity must reflect our gospel citizenship. In a world in which we are just one click, one tweet, one repost, or one article away from joining the fray of controversy that plagues our culture, we must be committed to a fear of God that reflects our love for God and His love for us. As a church, we must remember that unity and gospel partnership is only as strong as our devotion to gospel citizenship. Perhaps today we need a fresh wave of questioning in our own lives. What does your devotional life look like? How about your prayer life? 
What about your private life that no one can see? Your private thoughts. Do they reflect an unquestionable love for God? Our work in advancing the mission of God around the world is the most important work we can do towards the ultimate goal of God honoring worship among every nation, tribe, people, and language. That's the vision. That's the vision that's been given to us. That's the work that we've been doing around the world for 176 years as the IMB. It's the work that God's been doing around the world since, since Christ. It's the work that I've had the opportunity of doing in sub-Saharan Africa is laboring to proclaim the gospel so that people would repent and believe, so that disciples are made, healthy churches are formed, ultimately so that God is worshipped. The problem of sin is not that people are lost and dying and going to hell. That is a problem. But the ultimate problem is that God is not getting the glory that He deserves. We have an incredible opportunity, an obligation, a calling, a command to do the very thing that God has called us to do, to go and to make disciples in all the world. But you see, the Great Commission is not the Great Commandment. Our duty to love our neighbor, which most aptly expresses itself in making disciples of all nations, is an overflow of the first and greatest commandment, to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We share Christ with others so that others may share in worshiping Christ. And this is what it's all about. When God mobilized the Israelites into the promised land, His command was clear. In Deuteronomy 6.14, God repeatedly gives instructions and then comes back to the command, you must love the Lord your God, fear Him, serve Him. According to Philippians 1.27, we cannot even be unified in the advance of the gospel if we neglect our ultimate calling, which is to represent God to a watching world. Our first responsibility in the advance of the gospel is to live out our gospel citizenship. We must love God, cling to the gospel, represent the king in whose kingdom we now reside. A gospel partnership that storms the gates of hell comes when we as a gospel people love God more than anything. Amen? The greatest treasure I experienced on that day in Botswana was the gospel partnership Andrew and I shared through Gospel Advance. So my prayer for us today is that we strive side by side with one spirit and one mind to display the glory of Christ as we strive for the faith of the gospel. In closing, as an application, the question I ask for us is, what does this look like for us tangibly? I want you to think in four categories. Pray, give, Go and send. Pray, give, go, and send. These are the four things that you can be about in your day-to-day operations as you think about how do you advance the gospel around the world. I want to hit prayer in just a minute. I'll start with giving. As I look at these baskets, I think the white baskets are collecting Lottie Moon and you have a goal of 20,000. You are giving and I was literally a little bit overwhelmed and just seeing the people come forward and dropping money. I think I was overwhelmed because that's, as a missionary, that's food on my table. That's education for my kids. That's a car that we can drive so we can get out to the places that we need to to share the gospel. It's the plane ticket that we need to get to the places to share the gospel. 
It's the medicine we need to keep us healthy as we share the gospel. It's the tools that we need to be able to train believers and new believers in knowing how they can also share the gospel. It's the Bibles that we provide for people as they come to faith in Christ. What you're putting here is, is, was our survival, is our survival for the past 13 years as we do the work of gospel ministry. But I say this in all humility, in advancing the gospel, we need more of this. Not, not Not for me so that I can have a nicer jacket or or it's not about a better paycheck it's all about advancing God's work around the world so that more and more people hear we are praying right now for God to raise up 500 more missionaries by the year 2025 we need to see more people going but we've got to see more that we've got to see money increase we are asking for more giving so that God's work continues to advance around the world and like pastor said 100% of what you give to Lighting Moon goes directly to the field for the work of advancing that. So give. Give generously, not for the sake of me or anyone else, but for the sake of advancing God's work around the world. This is why why I'm Southern Baptist, for this great cooperation of incredible churches like this one as we labor together side by side with churches around the convention to see the gospel move forward. We need to see more going. Like I said, we're praying for more and more missionaries, 500 more missionaries. Right now we have about 3,500 missionaries. Many come off every year, maybe because their term has ended. Some are retiring. Some have to come back for health reasons or to take care of family needs. So we need to continue to see an increase in numbers, and we need that. Why? Because money does not share the gospel. People do. Please give. But remember, we need you to come and to walk alongside of the work that God is doing and opening your mouth and sharing the message of the gospel so that people can hear. There are opportunities, there are jobs available for, for part-time. Two years, if you are under the age of 30, career opportunities for everyone from, from a young adult all the way to Older adult? I don't know how to say that one. There are opportunities for you to go and to serve and to labor alongside. We're looking for every age so that we can see more people hearing the gospel. And then more sending. I would love to come back to this church and celebrate with you as you send out someone from this congregation to the nations. So my question for you, and this is as we lead into an invitation in just a moment... Is God maybe calling you to go and to be a part of what God is doing in places like Africa, the Middle East, or in Europe, in Central Asia, in East Asia, South Asia, all around the world? Think about South Asia where the highest concentration of lostness, more than a billion people in that country little to no evangelical witness at all. How are they going to hear unless someone goes and proclaims the gospel to them? Is there someone here today who would be willing to say, we will move, I will move with my family, we will move together and go and live and serve God um, among the nations? Is there somebody here today? 
And like I said, I'd love to come back and celebrate that with you. If any of you are interested in talking to me, I'd, I'd be happy to share that, have that conversation with you as well. But that's my prayer for you. And then lastly, I want us to just, I want us to close in a time of prayer uh, for the nations. This is how I'm going to do it, though. So one of the things that I do a lot on a regular basis, like how do you know how to pray for missionaries? How do you know what's going on around the world? There's an app, IMB Pray, and they provide daily prayer requests. So I'm just going to pull up today, and I'm going to pick one, and I'm going to read it, and we're going to pray uh, for that. So this is the, a recent prayer request for today. <laughs> And you can do the same thing, just download the app and begin using that as a family or using that to pray. So I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer for this particular request that's, that's fresh from the field. And then I'll let uh, Pastor Jamie come up and lead us in a time of invitation. God may be leading you to salvation. Maybe today you've heard the gospel and you said, I, I thought I knew the gospel, but my life does not reflect it. Maybe... There hasn't been a true transformation in my life, and there needs to be that today. Or maybe God is saying to you, you need to surrender your life to something beyond where you're living right now in terms of going to the nations. And that could be a time of invitation for you as well. But let me, let me lead us in a time of prayer. Today we're going to be praying for the peoples of Madagascar. But here's a specific request. A four-day seminary training will be held in southeastern Madagascar in early December. There will be 150 church rural, rural church leaders from the Antandroi and Antinosi people groups gathering in Fort Dauphine and studying God's word together. Pray for the logistics of gathering leaders from across the south and lift up their families while they are away. These leaders face significant challenges in leading their congregations, such as discipleship questions, supporting their people during a famine, or persevering in the midst of local persecution or family pressure. Ask for refreshment and encouragement at these, as these leaders pray and study together. Intercede for the teachers, pastors, and missionaries from around the island as they help guide these leaders through Scripture. Pray especially for God's vision for the next steps in His work and plan for the region. I didn't know I was going to read that one, but I will tell you this. God is doing something awesome in the, in the island of Madagascar. About five years ago, there, there were about... The vast majority of the northern part of the island, there was little to no evangelical work at all. We knew no believers in that area. Now, not only are there believers, but God is raising up nationals in Madagascar who are missionaries now and are raising their own support. Madagascar nationals that are raising their own support to get the gospel to these people that have not yet heard. That's awesome. Let's pray for this thing. God, we thank you for what you have said to us today. We pray for the work that's going on in Madagascar right now. God, we pray for those missionaries who are gathering with those, with those leaders, those church leaders who are probably right now feeling um, incredibly encouraged to be with other believers because this past year has been so lonely for them, so difficult with intense persecution. God, I pray for that time of refreshing and training. And God, I pray that as a result of these leaders gathering right now in this, I think even today as they're gathering, I pray that you would do something that can only be explained by the supernatural work of the Spirit working in the hearts and lives of these leaders and then through them as they go in to proclaim the gospel and as they lead in, their, in these areas. God, be exalted among the peoples of Madagascar. Thank you for our time together today. And God, as we close out, if there is anyone here 
you're convicting their heart, I pray that you would speak to them and move in a mighty way. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Andy, for sharing with us this morning. I want to ask our praise band if you'll come on up at this time. And while they're coming, let me just kind of give you a recap real quick. He talked about three things. He talked about unity, work, and purpose. And I was thinking about, you know, Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. We cannot be unified with Christ if we're not on the same mission that he's on. And so to be unified with Christ means that we have a burden for lost people. And I just want to encourage you, would you, as our invitation, pray that God would give you a burden and passion to see the lostness in the world and then give you the motivation to do something about it. Would you join me this morning in praying that prayer? Maybe during our invitation, you can just come and pray, God, I want to... I just ask you to give me a burden for lost people and give me a plan of how I can help you invade the lostness with the, good, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I was thinking about the work. He talked about work, and I think about Jesus whenever he was left behind by his parents and he was in the temple, and his parents came back to him and said, you know, why are you here? Why aren't you with your family? He said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Isn't that the work of the gospel? Now, Jesus was about the work of the father. We need to be about his, the father's business. And then about the purpose, and that is ultimately to bring glory to Christ. And uh, we want Christ to be magnified. He deserves it. Look, look what he did for us. We want Christ to be magnified, so we want to make sure that people know who he is so that they can share uh, the gospel, but not only that, that they can praise and worship him like he, he deserves to be praised and worshiped. And so as we kind of conclude today, I want to encourage you to respond. Would you just pray? Would you pray today and ask God, would you send me on mission? Now, we have folks from our church that go out on mission, but there are more of you who could and more of you who should. And so maybe this morning you'd come and pray, God, would you, uh, would you show me when and where you want me to go? In fact, one way you can do that is say, God, I'm so serious about this that when I get done praying this morning, I'm going to go apply for a passport. And it's open-ended. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. Would you be that bold to pray that way this morning? You really have to put feet to your prayer till you act on it. So let me encourage you to do that this morning. I was thinking about, uh, and as Andy kind of concluded his comments, he said, you know, if the world's going to hear, somebody has to share it. He kind of pointed at us. And I was thinking about a story I saw one time. A dad was driving down the road, and there was a log laying in the road. And... Um, the son said to the dad, somebody ought to move that log. And his dad slammed on brakes, slid the tires on the highway. He said, you're somebody. <laughs> you know what? You're somebody. You can share the gospel. Would you join me in praying this morning? As we stand in our invitation, let me invite you to come. You come and pray right now. Let me urge you to do that right now. I'll be at the front if you need to talk to me. Come as uh, we, we sing our song of invitation. To every question.